Today is a special day. Although it's kind of an odd day to have a special day. We have so many people gone. Somebody said to me this morning, where is everybody? Well, we have a ton of people doing ministry at places. Um, primarily, are, are, kids, are kids blast people back? Okay, kids blast people are back. And did you guys have a great time? Absolutely. So we had a bunch of kids, parents and kids at the Dells for something called Kids Blast, um, which is a great ministry our district puts on. But right now, we have like 40 plus people at Spencer Lake for a winter retreat for our youth. So we have youth and a bunch of adults there, all the youth ministry leaders who are there, and they're having minist- doing ministry right now with our kids. So our kids right now at Spencer Lake are probably, they got them out of bed already, right? Yeah. <laughs> they're probably doing church right now. And they took like, they took like a whole entire worship band. They had like vehicles full of stuff. So they're having worship and they're having a great time up at Spencer Lake um, right now. They were, and we should, we should maybe curse them for this, but they were happy that it snowed. Um, I got to tell you, I shouldn't be going on. I had a whole sermon. <laughs> People were golfing in t-shirts as we drove home. We drove the Florida and back all the way up until um, northern Illinois. We were still watching people in golf courses. And I'm going, we, the first time we saw a flake of snow was Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And thank you for praying a blizzard for us. We appreciate that. Thank you for bringing a blizzard. We, the whole time we had to plan our drive home based on this massive blizzard coming across the country, an ice storm. So we came in just after it. And uh, you guys had cleaned it all up when we came in. And so, but, but the youth people prayed for snow. So if you're upset that you had to shovel, blame Paul and Christine Piarkey. That's Christine P at PortviewChurch.com. Paul P at PortviewChurch.com. They prayed for it, and they, they won. So I would all send them emails today about praying for the snow. All right? Well, hey, we should move on to the other stuff. I haven't preached in three weeks, so I, you, get, you get like three weeks of sermons today. Um, so today, though, we're beginning something that we've been talking to you about for months. And this has been something we've been planning for a year. Um, a lot of the things that sometimes you probably don't realize how far in advance we're trying to hear God's voice and say, what direction are you going? So over the last year, we've been planning on this six-week period of time, the six weeks, 42 days leading up to Easter. And so we're calling this six day, the six weeks, day one. And it's going to become clear day one. You know, day one is basically saying for some people, they're day one with Jesus the first day they know Jesus is going to be Easter Sunday. So Easter Sunday is our day one, but our day one theme is really six weeks long. It's from this Sunday, six weeks in a row, to that culminating in that Sunday. But we don't even want it to feel like culminating that Sunday. We're hoping we're creating a culture change shift in our church over the six weeks that is, we, we focus on Easter Sunday, but it's really changing how we think and act from Sunday, from Easter on for the rest of our existence as a church. That we're, we're trying to say, and that was our, our praying to the Lord, how can we change the culture of our church? Because this is what we feel has happened, especially during COVID and the changing culture we have, is that we really feel like as a church, people have lost hope that the gospel still works. And we live in a community, we live in a culture rather, where you've been, there's a whole, you know, um, um, woke culture, you feel like you can't say anything anymore, and the church has been somewhat silenced, we feel. Well, guess what? The gospel is just as effective today as it's ever been in the history of humanity. People are just as lost as they've ever been, 
And people need Jesus just as much. And Jesus is just as real and ministering as effectively today as you ever have. Just look at what's going on right now at Asbury um, Seminary. You know, this, this outpouring. Oh, that's, that's happening. That just, here's what happened. If, if you've read behind the scenes of what's happened, it's basically, I had no intention of talking about this, but I'm going to. Um, it was simply a guy, did anybody watch the sermon that the guy preached? That he thought he whiffed, he said this. He said he did a terrible job preaching. And that's how it usually happens. God doesn't do stuff based on human effort. This guy preached a message that, uh, at the seminary that he thought he did a terrible job at. And he really was like, I watched it. He was just like, uh, I hope I don't screw up too bad and you get anything out of this. It's all because of the Holy Spirit. And you don't remember me, but you remember him. That was basically his message. And he said, we need love. And what happened is 18 students stayed and prayed. That was it. 18 students stayed and prayed. But they didn't leave. And then some more people joined them and some more people joined them. And then what happened, and I, and I give some, especially some high-level Christians um, credit, they refused to go because they said, this is not about celebrities. But what happened is it was college students. And I have friends who went down there, took their college students down there, and they said it was directly designed, God's ministry was directly designed at, at young people in America. He said that there was just, it's not like a revival. It is an outpouring of a sense of love and safety. And it was directing one of the professors, one of the theology professors of Asbury wrote a great article about it, and he said, this is the deal. This is directed specifically to college students and young people in America today, and it directed, he said, this is what God is doing in our midst. It's just a feeling that's in the place. There's a feeling. And it's, it is affecting these certain things like the anxiety of young people today, the loss of hope of young people today. And this, and this theology, professor, theology professor said, this is what's happening, that the Spirit, for some reason, is ministering to that subsection of our culture, and that's why at other colleges we're seeing the same thing happen. But here's my point of it, not to talk about Asbury in particular. God is still doing amazing things, John. God is still stopping um, a college from doing its work, and, and, and people are showing up, and then you know, tens of thousands of people showed up, so they actually stopped it and said, we're not holding it here anymore because they said it's, becoming a, it's just becoming a thing where people are all flooding there, um, for wrong, they thought, for wrong reasons, and that it was designed for, these college, for college students, and it's, it is spreading to college campuses. But here's the deal. God is doing amazing things. And if God can do it at Asbury Seminary, and I'm going to say this, you're watching online, don't be offended by me. Uh, I'm going to make a joke. If God can do it at a Methodist seminary, God can do it anywhere? I'm, I'm serious about that. You know, and I, 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 my master's with the Methodist, Methodist ministry, so I understand it. But, uh, you know, Quakers, Quaker College led by Methodists. Um, and so I'm not, I'm not anti that, but I'm saying there's a lot of struggles in that organization globally right now, and especially in America. And God chose a Methodist seminary to start this thing at. So the point is God is doing amazing things, and we want to have God do amazing things in our church. And so that's what day one is all, by the way, I haven't got to my first paragraph yet. But that's, where, that's, where day, that's what day one is all about. It's the 42 days, the six weeks leading up to Easter, where we as a church, not we as a staff, where we as a church are going to be praying and preparing, and we're going to explain what that means. 
to pray and to prepare. So I'm going to talk about today. Today's the launch of this. I'm explaining. We're to be preparing and pray, prepare, praying and preparing to do what we can do so that God can work through us to bring people to God on Easter Sunday and beyond, to create a culture, a tweak our culture a little bit, so that God begins to use Portview Church as a place where people more regularly come to know God, and it will be for a lot of people their day one. Do you remember your day one? Do you remember the day you said yes to Jesus? I do, like yesterday. There's all kinds of people in your family, in your, in your, in your sphere of influence, they haven't had their day one yet. And we believe God's going to change our culture a bit, change what we do a little bit, so that the people in your world, in my world, that have not said yes to Jesus yet, are going to say yes to Jesus, and we're going to be part of the process. So I want to start our time today, today by talking about, using an example, a guy that I think some of you have maybe met. He's a guy at Teen, from Teen Challenge. And I don't have, you've got to be kidding me. Here it is. <laughs> a guy at Teen Challenge that I met a little while ago, but I've met a number of times. His name is Anthony. I want to tell you his story to start off because his story is so much to say to us about day one. Now, this is Anthony. Anybody remember Anthony? Does he look familiar to you? Some of you do. Some of you that know Anthony, this guy's just full of joy, isn't he? Okay. Anthony's been here a couple of times when we've done Teen Challenge because they come every year. Um, and I've been down there. I was just did their, I just had the privilege. I got to lead them, their team, in a whole day of vision casting. I was the guy that came in and directed them for a whole day right before we went on to Florida and vision casting. And Anthony was one of the guys. I got to spend a whole day with Anthony just seeing the love of Jesus beam from this guy. I want to tell you, this is, I'm going to give you Anthony's story and Anthony's words, okay? So here's Anthony's story. It says, hello, my name is Anthony. My dad was full of hate, and he taught me to hate and to hurt others. He was an alcoholic, a drug addict, and a gang member, and he beat my mother. I was raised in a gang-infested city, in the gang-infested city of Los Angeles, California. My mom took me to church when I was 10, old, but I did not like it, and I wanted nothing to do with God. So I followed my father's destructive lifestyle. At 13, I joined the gang, and I started drinking and abusing drugs. My dad was sentenced to life in prison and died there while I was still young. I was taught to fight and got kicked out of every school I attended. At age 16, I left home, quit school, lived on my own, and my mom told me I was just like my dad, and that made me happy. By 22, I was serving, for, serving time for robbery, gangbanging, and drugs. I served four years in a county jail and four years in prison. My only friends were other gang members. I escaped death time and time again over 20 years. I woke up to paramedics thinking I was dead and began to think about heaven and hell. And I was the same age my dad was when he died. When that happened, when he woke up to the paramedics. My mom never stopped loving and praying for me. One day while she was grocery shopping, she met some men from Adult and Teen Challenge. And they told her about a program that could change my life. She told me I needed to go, and at age 47, friends, 47, so some of the people you've given up hope on, it's been a while. This guy was 47. I entered Adult and Teen Challenge in Schaefer, California in March 2019. I surrendered my life to Jesus, and he transformed my life. 
One month before I was to graduate the program, I was told to return to my mom immediately because she was dying. I came home and held her while she died in my arms. Without her, I would not be where I am today. I completed the program and entered the Teen Challenge Ministry Institute in Southgate, California. I spent a year doing an intense discipleship program, learning more about Jesus and serving my brothers at Adult and Teen Challenge. Upon graduation, I accepted a full-time position here at Great Lakes Adult and Teen Challenge. That's in Milwaukee. He's on staff in Milwaukee. Before I could move to Milwaukee, though, the last piece of my story was receiving sentencing for charges prior to the program. I told her, the judge, about the offer to work full-time ministry, and the judge dropped all my charges and said, go enjoy your new life in Milwaukee. God has truly blessed me, and I am honored to be on staff at Adult and Teen Challenge. I work at the men's center, mentoring men, driving the tow truck, helping staff the center day to day. I have incredible joy and freedom because Jesus saved my life. I want to share that hope with everyone I encounter. Thank you for helping Adult, Great Lakes Adult and Teen Challenge. That's Anthony's story. What an amazing story, right? From, from convict to convert. Total life transformation. And if you'll ever get to meet Anthony, and I bet you you will, because he'll probably be here in the future, you will just see joy radiating from him. So why do I tell you, why am I talking about Anthony today? this, because although his story may sound really extreme and different than a lot of ours and different than a lot of people in your circle, his, still, his story still helps us see what day one is really all about. Some of the components that are essential for what we're launching today called day one. I want to show you those from his story. The first thing is this. We see from Anthony this, that he was deeply and desperately lost. For him, it was drugs and gangs and prison. He was lost. He did not have, he was, did not have any hope in the world. And friends, that kind of lostness might not be the exact same story for you, if you don't know Jesus, or for those people in your, love, your life, your loved ones, who don't yet know Jesus. Maybe they even have good jobs and nice things, But if a person doesn't yet know Jesus, they are just as lost as Anthony was before he came to know Jesus. Friends, everyone without Jesus is spiritually lost. And here's the deal. That might not be a very popular thing to say anymore. But it's true according to Scripture. Suzanne just had a conversation with a woman about this in the last 48 hours. Where she's saying, well, that doesn't make sense. I don't like that. But Suzanne said, but God says it's true. The inspired word of God tells us it's true. The Apostle Luke wrote this about Jesus in the, in the, in the scriptures that we call the book called the Acts of the Apostles. He wrote this, Acts 4.12. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Friends, everybody needs a Savior, and that Savior's name is Jesus. You've got nice relatives, and they're living good lives, but if they don't have Jesus, they're lost. Friends, you can have a nice life, and if you don't have Jesus, the Scriptures say you're lost. There's only one name under heaven whereby which you must be saved. In other words, one person that can help 
and his name is Jesus. Well, day one is reminding us that our loved ones and our friends really do need Jesus. It's reminding us that we don't have the option of looking the other way and ignoring the spiritual needs of those around us. Our hope is that day one we'll do something, that it will reignite our passion within us to reach out in love to those who don't yet have God um, in their lives, those people in our sphere of influence. Knowing this, that God loves them so much that he literally gave his life for them on the cross to rescue them from sin and death. So we're hoping that God's going to reignite that passion within us, a passion that's going to be ignited in such a way that, guess what, we're not going to be afraid of a work woke culture that says, but you can't say that, or that's not, I don't like the fact that you're saying there's no other name. Guess what, no one's ever liked it, but it's true. Day one, we're hoping to reignite that. And that brings us to the second thing that we see in Anthony's story that's tied to day one for us, and it's this. That God does love the people in, your, in our lives more than we can imagine. And that God places strategic people in the lives of those people who don't yet know the truth of Jesus Christ. For Anthony, the strategic person was his praying mom. She agonized as she saw him going down the same path as his father. And she prayed for him. And he talks about that all the time, how his mom prayed and prayed and prayed for him. And how heartbroken it was that after he got saved, he held his mom as she died. And I said, but Anthony, she's rejoicing because you knew Jesus. She was the one who encouraged him to get help. She, she said she met some people from Teen Challenge in a grocery store. And they said, we can help your son. And she, based on that encounter, went to her son and got him in Teen Challenge. She was his rock and his inspiration. And here's what I want you to think about for day one is this. Whose rock and inspiration are you? Whose rock and inspiration are you? God has brought you into his family, if you're a believer, for a purpose that goes beyond your own personal salvation. God has brought you into his family also because he wants to reach others through you. You are someone's strategic person. Every one of us is. You are someone's strategic person. The Apostle Paul explains this in a letter that he wrote to the church in Corinth, and, and this is a verse that's been our common theme that we've been using for throughout the, the, um, the stuff we've been doing so far, preparing for today in our day one um, thing. So turn with the Bible, if you would, with me, to 2 Corinthians. We've, been, we've looked at this before, but let's look at it again and look at some different things. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 to 21, say this. Therefore, if anyone is, a, is in Christ, he's a new creature. So if you know Jesus, you're brand new. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. So you're brand new in Jesus. You're Anthony. Verse 18. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself. So he's the one doing it. He reached us and brought us. He reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us, this is what he does after he reaches us, he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. 
he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Look here. He's, he is writing to this group of Christian people in Corinth. They're just average, everyday, rank and file followers of Jesus. And he says, if you're in Christ, though, you're a brand new creation in Christ. They're believers. They're the ones who have, have met Jesus as their own personal Savior and have been transformed by his presence. He says their old, their old nature has been replaced by the righteousness of Christ and his spirit has breathed new spiritual life into them. You're a new creation in Christ. Friends, if that's you, if you say, I'm a follower of Jesus, then he says that he's now given you something. He's given you a ministry, the ministry of reconciliation. And this is what it means. Look at verse 19. He explains what that means. He says, you'll be given the ministry of reconciliation in verse of 18, end of 18, but then not 19, he says, this is what it means. Namely, or in other words, or this is what it means, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he was committed, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. He says that God, through the ministry of Jesus, who has given his life on the cross in our place to pay for our sin debt that we can never pray for, that God, because of what Jesus has done for all humanity, is no longer counting people's sins against them when they come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. Paul says that you and me are given the ministry of telling others this amazing message. And friends, look what it says there. It, well, let's look what it doesn't say. It, it doesn't say we are to go to tell people, our friends and our relatives and our neighbors, you know what, shape up or ship out. It doesn't say, hey, stop doing what you're doing because I'm uncomfortable with it. It doesn't say, tell them to go live a better life. It says, no. We are telling them that God has forgiven them, that he is not counting his sins against them when they will come to trust in Jesus Christ. He's not counting sins against people anymore in Christ. We've been given that ministry, the ministry of reconciliation, of reconciling, bringing together lost man and found God and bringing them together, that we have a part to play. We get to tell our loved ones and our friends that God isn't counting their sins against them when they come to know him. And I want you to notice something about how Paul says that, how we are supposed to approach this. He says, we approach this as ambassadors of Christ. He chooses that word on purpose, ambassadors. What's he mean by that? What's an ambassador? Well, an ambassador is a person who is sent by a country as its official representative to a different country, to a foreign country, and you live there and you represent your own country. An ambassador is a messenger and a representative. He or she does not speak on their own, uh, by their own name. They don't say, well, I think this. No, we speak on the authority and act on the authority of the one who sent them. So if you're an ambassador for America, you speak on the authority of America. An ambassador lives among a foreign people and re represents their country, their president, their king. Friends, we need to get this. God has given us his authority to take his message to others. You're an ambassador. That's what he says you are. That's what he says I am. He says you are an ambassador. You're sent with the authority 
of Jesus. We operate by his authority and by his power. Friends, and here's the most freeing thing. It's not about you. Here's why we all, so so many people get afraid because they think, they say to me, Pastor Mark, what do I say? What do I do? I always say, it's not about you. It's about him. Yes, he's going to use you. But it's not about your wisdom. It's not about your abilities. It's rather about you giving to people and explaining to people what God has done for you. That's what it is. That he's given you, like Anthony, he says, this is what Jesus did. You talk about he's given you hope. He's given you freedom. He's given you transformation when you came to Jesus. We share with the authority of God what he has done in our lives. And knowing this is freeing. We realize it's God's work. He's the one doing the reconciling. It's done by his strength. We just represent him. In a previous letter that the apostle Paul wrote to the people at Corinth, we read from the second letter he wrote, but in the first letter that he wrote, he talks about this, but he says it a little bit differently, and it points out something that's really important to us. He says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says this, I planted, Paul planted, meaning he planted seeds in people's lives. Apollos, which is another leader, watered, but God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants or the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. In other words, we're working together. But each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. He says, but you're going you're, you're gonna to be rewarded for how hard you work or how engaged you get into the process. For we are God's fellow workers. Look at here. Paul uses this gardening analogy to explain this, this, this idea that the work of bringing people to God is the work of God and that he causes the growth. It's his work. And it's, and it's freeing. Now, now, we are part of the process. We are strategic in the process. Paul had to plant and, and, and Apollos had to water. We have to tell people. We have to invite people. We have to be involved Because why? We are the strategic representatives. We are ambassadors for Christ. But it's God's work. As Paul says this, though, we are fellow workers. Verse 9, for we are God's fellow workers. Day one is also about reigniting our commitment to join in this mission as fellow workers of seeking and saving the lost. There's one more thing that I want to point out about Anthony's story that pertains to our day one story. He was only reached and transformed because of a lot of other people who were willing to help him. A lot of other people he never met before. See, beyond his praying mother, in his story, Teen Challenge welcomed him in, helped him, taught him, encouraged him, led him to Jesus, discipled him, did all that work, fed him, did everything. It took an entire Christian community. And friends, the same is true for our day one. Each of us is going to be praying for people in our circle of influence. And together, we're going to to talk about this in a minute, we're going to be praying together for the people in our circle of influence. And each of us is going to be looking for how we can help and serve people in our, in our individual circles of influence and the people that we know. And each of us is going to invite some of those in our circle of influence to join us on Easter Sunday or other Sundays here at Portview so they can experience you, Jesus in you. And that's going to be great. But from there, you'll do all that. 
but from there it will take all of us being part of what God is doing in the lives of those who come in. Not only at Easter, but every Sunday, every Wednesday, every day. Each of us finding out our fit in the ministry of Portview, finding how essential we are to the work of God that is, that is um, wanting to change lives in our community. Just think of right now what's going on. There's people who normally be sitting in chairs here that are with kids in kids' church, teaching them about Jesus. There's people who would maybe rather be sitting in chairs that are in nursery and toddler and preschool watching people. There's, there's, there's um, people on security team who are walking around the building making sure everything's all right. There's ushers that collected stuff. There's people who came here well before you and, and made all the coffee so you could drink it and got the cafe ready. The worship team started showing up on 7.30 this morning practicing. They're the first ones after, after Pastor Mitch, who was always first, and me, who was usually second. Then the worship team. They come early, early, solid people. None of that would happen. There's so many moving parts. So imagine this. Just imagine, maybe this is true. Somebody, you're here today, and you came with somebody else. And you have three kids, and God wants to speak to you in the service, and God can't speak to you in the service because you can sit and listen because there's people in kids' church, there's people in nursery, and there's people who made coffee, and there's people who shoveled snow this morning, got the rest of the ice off. People showed up and did all that. You know, people who got and practiced worship songs, you go, oh, God touched me during worship. That didn't happen on accident. It's everybody working together. Just like Teen Challenge did for Anthony, that's why God loves the local church that we all just have unique gifts and talents, and we're not overworked, we don't overcommit, we just find our niche, and, we, and when we find our niche, we find joy in fulfilling that part of our niche. You and I, every one of us, plays an important role in helping people come to know Jesus through day one and for years to come. I simply want each of us to be asking God where, where we fit in what he's doing here at Portview, and then serve him with all of our hearts. Because how are we supposed to serve Jesus? With all your, love the Lord, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Have you asked yourself this recently? I ask myself this, and sometimes I, I don't like, I, I'm serious, I don't like the answer. I say, God, how? I say, God, how am I serving you with all my heart? How am I serving you with all my mind? How am I serving you with all my soul? How am I serving you with all my strength? And I ask that question to the Lord. How am I doing that? Help me to see how I'm doing it. We ask ourselves that question, and one of the ways he wants is helping us, just like Teen Challenge all came around Anthony. Just think of the people who are, who are already, 53 people already have been trained in our short little training times to do follow. Follow is part of this day one thing. It's for changing our culture. So follow is this, this, this tool you can use to, to walk with somebody um, through the seven attributes of a Christ follower. Just meet with them, drink coffee, and, or even talk on the phone about it. And uh, just go through this very basic stuff. You know, that's part of the equation of helping people grow in Christ, know Christ, grow in Christ, that all of us have the joy of being part of. So my, my hope is just this during day one. It's a reevaluation, a, re, a reminder that we all say this. So where do I fit in what God is doing? How am I serving God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength at Portview Church and in the community and the world? We really believe that God is going to reach some of our friends and loved ones because he led us over a year ago to take this six weeks and to focus on this re-tweaking of our church culture, this re, um, re, 
of energizing the belief that God still is saving the lost. Susanna was saying to me, she goes, I think it's so strategic for Portview that as we're doing this, all of a sudden Asbury happens. She's like, God just saying, see, I'm still talking to people. I still want to be involved in what you're doing. I'm still here doing my stuff. We really believe this. So how, this is, this is how, I mean, the last part's a commercial. How, how we want to invite you to be involved. Two things, pray and prepare. Let's talk about pray first. We want to ramp up prayer at Portview. We're going to use the next six weeks as a way to ramp it up, but we're hoping after the six weeks, some of the things that we start will naturally become part of the, of the fiber of our church family. So for six weeks, we're going to really ramp up prayer opportunities. A couple ways. Number one, we just say this. Daily, we would ask you just to pray for those in your world who don't yet know Jesus, that God's going to lay in your heart. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But then weekly, we're going to invite you to join in at least one home prayer meeting. And we have a bunch of people who have agreed to, be, to, do, to run home prayer meetings over this next six-week period of time. When you were handed your, do we even call these bulletins anymore? Calendars, um, event things, <laughs> whatever. Look on the back side of it. You got one when you came in. Upcoming events. It tells, look at this, day one prayer locations just for this week. They're on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday one was missed. I was told, Saturday, Messer's house, West Bend, the Messer's in West Bend, 6 to 7 p.m. So if you're anywhere, but especially if you're in the West Bend area, the Messer's is on Saturday p.m., Saturday evening, 6 to 7 p.m. at the Messer's house. And so look at it. There's opportunities for you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, every single day this week. There's opportunities for you to join in a prayer home, a, a home prayer meeting. You say, well, what's a home prayer meeting going to be about? It's going to be simply, and we did a lot of them on purpose so that they weren't overly large. We didn't want them to be huge. Might be two people or four people or maybe eight people joining together. And what you're going to simply be doing is you're going to walk out of here today, and I'll tell you in a second, with a list of people. You're going to be starting on a list that you want to pray for. And you are going to begin to, as a group, pray for the people that God is laying on your heart. You're going to be saying this basically, God, um, this is Bill. We're praying for Bill together. And God, this is what I know is going on in Bill's life. And God, we pray this. We pray that, God, you would, you would break alcoholism in Bill's life. That, God, that you would help Bill reconcile with his children. You would help Bill, God, uh, understand that you love him in the word of God. And you'd overcome the hurts in Bill's life from what he's experienced in, the, in, the, in this church situation. Because you know Bill because he's on your list. And you're going to pray together. You're going to pray the Spirit will tear down, to tear down the blinders off his eyes. That, that, that he doesn't see the truth of the gospel. That he's going to see the truth of the gospel. You're going to pray for opportunities where, where you can love on Bill during the six-week period of time, where, where you can maybe minister to Bill and get coffee with Bill. You're going to pray for Bill, and then you're going to go pray for Sally. And you're going to do this as a group. You're going to pray together. You're going to pray for other things as well. You're going to pray for, 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 uh, for day one. You're going to pray for all the stuff, the, the moving parts. You're going to pray for whatever. And you can pray for yourself, whatever, your health, anything. But primarily, we're getting together to pray for those people that God is leading you that eventually you're going to invite to come to day one. So we're going to have these prayer meetings. So I'm going to challenge you to do this. You've got a choice to make. Netflix or prayer? You've got a choice to make. Netflix or prayer? You can choose to sit home and binge watch another series of Netflix. 
On vacation, Suzanne and I binge-watched Castle. I didn't know it was ever around. Castle was back in, like, it was in the early, like, 2010. It's a cop show. It's a solving, solving crimes. It's a sitcom, not a, well, kind of a comedy. We watched it every night because it was dark. There was nothing else to do. We were in Florida. You know what? You have a choice. I'm not saying you can't watch Netflix. But I'm saying for the next six weeks, you got a choice every single night and during some days. Am I going to sit and binge watch Castle? Or am I going to go to a prayer meeting? doesn't mean you have to go to every one of them, but I'd hope that everyone would go to at least one every week. And so choose a prayer meeting to go to um, for the next six weeks. That's once a week for the next six weeks. Go to one of the home prayer meetings. My hope is that when this is over, organically we're going to have a bunch of people who go, this is really effective because you're going to see your friends and family come to Christ. You're going to say, you know what? We need to keep praying. Here's what I've learned over 34 years of being a pastor. I can start all the programs in the world, but if you don't believe in them, I just end up carrying them. And the staff carries them. So in our prayer, we're trying to tweak culture here. We're trying to say, for six weeks you're going to do this. You're going to go, oh my goodness, Uncle Bill got saved. Uncle Bill could never get saved. Maybe it's because we prayed. And we're going to keep on praying. So we're going to pray. We're going to pray in homes. We're going to pray just daily. We're going to pray. And I'm also going to invite you to do something if you, if you want. And I encourage you all to do it. It won't take a lot of time. That you would join with the rest of our church in doing a daily devotion. Now, a little technology involved here. And, and when we launched this a while back in that Friday night thing we had for, there was about 100 of you were here. We launched this on a Friday night. And we said, you can have a paper copy. We found out later you can't have a paper copy. It's illegal. So our devotion is online. And most of you all on your phone have the, the version app. There's a free, if you get the Bible on your phone, it's through version. And so if you go to your version app, I click on mine, it says Bible. And it pops up, first thing says version. You take on the version app, and you, there's a little icon that looks like a magnifying lens. It says discover. You know, you go, it's for looking for things. Click on it and type in port view. And it will pull all of us to the same page. And we're doing different short devotions every day for this. It actually extends longer than 42 days because we selected them all. They're little short devotions about reaching lost people. And there's scripture reading with them. I'm going to encourage you all to do those. So you open them up, you click on begin, begin, and you begin it and it goes down. So there's another way you can do that. You say, okay, uh, you version app, I don't know how to do this. If you got the, 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 the um, church center app, on the church center, if you don't have a church center app, please get the church center app. So we do all of our communication. Go on the church center app, and starting today, if you go on it, there's one that says um, Bible study or devotion, whatever it says. You click on the QR code, and it takes you to it. Okay? So two ways to get there. If you don't know how to do it, ask Pastor Mitch. He's smarter than me. Or ask Christine. <laughs> Christine, yeah. Christine P. at portviewchurch.com. Right? Or go to the church center app and send her a message on that. Okay? So we're going to pray, pray, pray. So that's the one thing. We're going to pray in six weeks, and we're also going to prepare. What do I mean by prepare? Prepare is basically this. This is your individual way. You're going to work with the people that God is bringing into your, into your life. So the first thing is, I forgot mine, on every one of your chairs, this little piece of paper is on there today. Right? This is a list 
for you to begin to write names on these lines. You're going to keep this thing in your Bible or you're going to keep it on your refrigerator. And starting today, we're going to take a minute to start filling this out today already. You're going to take this card and you're going to begin to write. You're going to ask the Lord to direct you. You're going to be able to write some names of some people that you are supposed to start to pray for and that you're going to try to invite to Easter Sunday service. So you're going to start writing some people on there. And I'm hoping you're going to write 10 of them. There's 10 lines. And so the first two weeks, starting today, so the clock starts today. For the first two weeks, you're going to be asking God to give you the names for this list. Because here's what you don't know. There's people in your circle of influence that couldn't sleep last night. Because they're going through a mess in their life. You don't know about it. And they're saying, maybe for the first time, God, if you're really real, I need you to show me. You're the strategic person he's going to use to show them. So he's going to say, you're going to say, I didn't think about my neighbor Sally for a long time. But as I prayed about this over this next two weeks, Sally just keeps coming to my mind. You're going to write Sally on there. You're going to take this with you to your prayer meeting. Okay? And you're going to take this with you and hopefully you're going to, every, every day you're going to look in your Bible and you're going to pray. But you're going to take this with you to your prayer meeting. You're going to use this as a guide to prayer. So the first two weeks you're going to say, God, who am I writing on my list? The second two weeks... You're going to ask God, give me some kind of way just to connect with some of the people on the list. You probably aren't going to be all of them, but some of the people on the list. You're going to say, God, how could I? You're going to go, you know what? Bill works with me, and why don't I ask Bill, Bill, you want to go out for a cup of coffee? And you just start to do it. You know what? Better thing, because it's Wisconsin, the next time it snows, when, when Frank is on, Frank's your neighbor snowball their driveway. We were gone. Somebody stayed at our house for us while we were gone for three weeks to watch our dog. And the neighbor came over and gave them two big things of trail mix for snowballing the driveway, their, their, their sidewalk. And she said, that person said, I didn't snowball your sidewalk. I snowballed their sidewalk. <laughs> Before I left, it snowed and I snowballed their sidewalk. And they came and gave a gift because I, I usually snowball their sidewalk. But anyway, that's what you're going to do. Say, hey, I can go snowball their sidewalk. Somehow in the next two weeks, you're going you're to look for ways that I can connect because maybe you've not been connected with the person. And then the last two weeks, you're going to simply say, God, how can I invite that person to church on Easter Sunday? And again, maybe it's, you're having them over for dinner. Maybe it's a phone call. Maybe it's going over coffee. Maybe it's somebody at work and you say, you know what? We've been friends for a long time. Easter is awesome. Easter is the celebration of Jesus raising from the dead. You have a church, you know? How would you like to come to my church on Sunday? And I'll even buy you lunch afterwards. And you're going to invite people to come with you on Sunday. So the prepare part, you're going to ask God, who's on my list? You're going to ask God then, the second two weeks, how can I connect? You're going to ask the third week, the the, the, the weeks five and six. Um, You're going to look for an opportunity to invite some of the people. It won't be all of them, because some of them might not live right here. But you're 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 going to write them down, and God's going to lead you to a person or two or three or four that you're actually going to invite to come to church on Easter Sunday. And this is our belief. Some of them will come. Here's the deal. If everybody puts 10 people on their list and they all, number one, they couldn't all fit in the building. And if they all got saved, we couldn't handle them all. So we don't expect all of them. We expect some, we're believing for some of them. Some of them that are ripe fruit, they're ready to come to Jesus. And you're the strategic person in their life. And we are the strategic body of Christ, the family of God. Like Teen Challenge was for Anthony. We are the strategic family that God's going to use to welcome them in. And encourage them. And teach them classes on Wednesday night. 
And yes, next year, they're going to need Trek next year, Mike and Coral. They're going to need Trek because they're going to be a mess. And so they need Trek. We all have to play a part. They're going to need divorce care, which we don't, we don't have anymore right now. Somebody, God's going to raise up somebody in this place to, to relaunch divorce care. And all the different ministries, some of which are still not up, up and running since COVID. Basically two. And so here's what we're going to do right now. I don't believe, once the worship team, whoever's you plan to come up, come on up here. I don't believe that Anthony's story has to be an exception. Some of the people that you've given up on, I really felt the Lord wanted me to say this. So I, I got it written in red in my notes. You have given up on some people. Anthony's mom had every reason to have given up on Anthony. You've given up on some people. God has not given up on them. He wants to reignite a fire in your soul. For them, Because you're the strategic person. You're the planter or the waterer. He caused the increase. You don't have to lay awake at night going, I failed. You didn't fail. God causes the increase. But you got to do your part. Paul says, that's why he says, we're, all, we're each going to give an account or get, be rewarded for the labor that we did or didn't do. And so God's trying to restore hope in our hearts. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to grab your card right now. Just hold that thing. Most of you have a pen or a pen in front of you in the chair. I'm not looking for you to fill this whole thing out right now. Maybe you will. You'll instantly fill it out. But for some of you, it might be a couple of names right now because the next two weeks, we're going to be praying for this list for God to show us who do we put on the list. So I want you to join me in prayer for a moment. Just hold that card. Lord, Thank you that you have invited us, you've commissioned us into the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciling, bringing people that are lost to you. They really are lost and they really need a Savior. And it says that you have called all of us into the ministry of reconciliation. Lord, we are your ambassadors. And I pray right now for every person in this room that there's a commissioning for an ambassador, that, um, that when they're going to go be an ambassador, there's a ceremony, they become an ambassador. That right now, God, in the depths of our hearts, Holy Spirit, you would put that mantle upon us. This idea, this belief, this understanding, this biblical truth that if we are children of God, then we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ that that mantle would sit upon us right now. That that, that, that that mantle of authority in Jesus' name would sit upon us right now. That we would understand as weak as we are and as, as much as we think we can't, that it's never been about us anyways. That it's all been about you. That you are great in us. Greater is he who is in me than he who's in the world. Right now, God, we would sense, we would sense Holy Spirit, yes. We'd sense Holy Spirit. The sense of your presence settling upon us. The sense of your spirit commissioning us. The sense of the spirit emboldening us. That we're not afraid of a culture. 
the sense of the Spirit renewing hope in our hearts for those that we had given up on because you've not given up on them. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're renewing that sense within us right now. Let us feel it. I sense your presence, God. I sense your fullness in this moment. Now, God, would you speak to us right now? We're going to ask you. Give us, put a person's face in our mind or give us a name. Somebody that you're going to want us to reach out to. And then, Lord, we want to just write a couple of those names down. So let's take a moment. Allow the Spirit of the Lord to speak to you. kind of a little example of what could go on in a home prayer meeting. I want you to think of one of those names on your list. Just you can you can pray out loud if you want. You can pray quietly if you want. I want you to just begin to pray for that for one of those people on your list right now. Just begin to pray for one of those people on your list. God to tear down the strongholds in their heart the lies they believe Lord if they have have health issues let's begin to pray that God will minister in their bodies and their minds that God will begin to heal those hurts in their hearts. If they're alienated from the family, let's if they're relatives, let's pray that they become re, re um, brought back into the family.
So, Father, you, you see the hundreds of people that we see. Matter of fact, we believe this, God. We believe that you have laid these people on our hearts. And Lord, the truth is you love them more than we do, and that's hard to imagine sometimes. And the reality is you're working in their lives, and you never gave up on them, even though so many times we have got weary and well-doing. We've just got tired, we've given up, we've lost hope. But you have you never have, because you are hope. So Lord, we lift these people up to you today. Every man, every woman, every child, every parent or grandparent, child, grandson, neighbor, friend, relative. We hold them up before you this morning. We hold them up before you this morning. They're your precious kids. We pray, God, that this would be their day one. That you could use us. Somehow our our feebleness. That you could use us somehow as strategic people in their lives. And that they would come to know you. Some have drifted from you. They come back to you we'd get to celebrate with the angels in heaven as their lives are transformed by you. So Lord, we take all these people right now in this moment, we we lift them to you and we release them into your care. Do amazing things in their lives. Give us, call us by name so that we know what part we play. Speak deep into our hearts. Help us be willing to be sacrificial with our time, our energy, our resources to be involved. And Lord, help us to be able to celebrate. When we get to see people come to know you, we get to see them advance in you, we get to see them be transformed by your grace, we get to see them baptized into the family of God. We get to see them grow in Christ-likeness. We're believing for all those miracles, God. Trust in you, Jesus.